the CPHI podcast series. Hello and welcome back to the CPHI podcast series, your monthly soundbite on the trends and developments impacting the global pharma value chain. I'm Tara Dougal, Content Director at Informa Markets, and in this edition, we'll be discussing the key considerations when outsourcing an injectable project to a CMO. Recent market reports tell us that the sterile injectable drugs market is set to grow in the coming years, driven by the increasing use of injectables in the treatment of cancers, diabetes, and cardiovascular diseases, amongst others. The COVID-19 pandemic has also contributed to this increasing demand, and consequently, the market has seen a tightening of capacity. For this reason, many biotech and pharma companies are now having to outsource the manufacturing of their drug products. Yet, many have limited to no experience of working with a CMO. In this episode, we have the pleasure of being joined by Jaina Blake, Senior Project Manager for Technical Programs at Baxter Biopharma Solutions, a leading CMO with a focus on specialized sterile injectable manufacturing. Jaina has over 19 years of experience in the pharmaceutical industry and is responsible for technical review, potential projects evaluation, and proposal issuances at the company's Bloomington, Indiana site. So, Jaina, great to have you here. You're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. So, to begin with, tell us, what are the key considerations for a company when determining if a CMO is right for them? I think one of the key items to really look for in the beginning is a site's proven performance and expertise you're going to want to understand really what that CMO is capable of doing. And not only that, what types of molecules do they have experience with? Another thing you might want to consider is how many regulatory approvals from various countries have been to the site, audited the site, and what does their quality initiative look like at the site? Another item you might want to consider is can your CMO grow with you and with your molecule? There might be a specific focus you're looking at now with your molecule, but where do you see your molecule in the next two to five years? Does this CMO fit where your molecule is now and where you see your molecule growing to be? Also, you might want to consider if you have more than one molecule, is this a vendor that I want to work with on various different platforms? And finally, I think it's important that when you consider a CMO, While unit cost is very important, it's really critical to look at the overall package of what the CMO can offer outside of the unit cost. For example, can the CMO provide you on-site regulatory support? What are their laboratory capabilities? Maybe they can do the stability for you there on-site. They can procure your excipients for you. These are items that go into the entire package of working with a CMO rather than just the focus on unit cost. And I, and I do see clients sometimes focusing on the unit cost, which certainly is, is a major factor, but you also need to look at the quality. The quality should be part of the unit cost. And so if you're paying a little bit more at a CMO, you should expect more in terms of services and quality as well. Great. So some important considerations there. And when would you say is the right time to reach out to a CMO? What should a company already have in place before they decide to do so? Yeah, that's a great question. I've seen RFPs that come through where it's clear that the client, so to speak, is not quite ready for a detailed proposal. 
What I mean by that is they might not have determined their container closure. They're not for sure what their batch size is going to be or what batch size they're looking for. Maybe they haven't quite sourced their API yet. And so us as a CMO are are unsure, how are we going to bring that in and store that? You know, what does that look like? So there is a time, I think, where companies are wanting to understand what it costs to do a tech transfer. But please realize that as a CMO that wants to deliver a detailed proposal, if I don't have those certain key attributes to your project, it's very hard for me to then give you an accurate cost. That's one piece of it. I can go into items that bring about a really detailed proposal. And so I'll go through a couple of those now. So for example, you know, we're going to want to understand what type of molecule it is and can the site support that. An MSDS is always preferred. If your product is lyophilized, it's very important to have, you know, how long is your lyo cycle time? This will also go into the cost. What kind of packaging needs do you want? And it's okay if you don't know your packaging needs yet. A lot of times, if that's the case, you might just want to default to a bulk packaging. And so your CMO can price it out that way and always add, you know, the packaging piece later. It's not as critical than, you know, really understanding your container closure. What does that stopper look like? What is the stopper part number? Does the CMO need to order equipment such as stopper bowls to support your project? And any time out of refrigeration limitations, that's going to help your CMO understand what is my time limit making this batch? So when you think about cost, you're going to think about run rates, line time, requirements for your product. And certainly any analytical testing, that's very important too. You know, what is your incoming ID test? What type of finished product testing do you want? Do you just want sterility and endotoxin or do you want the CMO to do the full panel of testing? And then finally, maybe a process flow diagram. Like how do you manufacture this molecule? How do you see the CMO manufacturing that? Um, a lot of folks on the technical side, when technical people talk to technical people, process flow allows us to say, oh, this is their current process flow, but you know, this is how it would look at our site. So again, I, I think it's important to know the right time when you're ready to do that. And then also the more detail that you can provide, the better your proposal is going to be coming, you know, back to you. And I'll also add that, you know, it's okay if you're in the clinical phase right now and you just want to focus on the clinical phase. And then later down the road, if you choose to stay with that CMO, let them then present you with a commercial proposal. You know, what does phase three and process validation and then commercial pricing look like? Sometimes I have clients that want kind of all of that in one proposal, but yet they might be three, five years away from commercialization. So that cost could change. So it's just really at this time of a proposal, what the cost looks like. So I think scope is also important too on, you know, what does the next three years look like? And then as you build, then, you know, reevaluate that commercial side of things. And what about the challenges? What are the common stumbling blocks when outsourcing a project that someone might encounter? Some things that I've seen, and I and I just mentioned scope, I think scope is very important. I think if you're looking for a CMO, really understand what it is you're wanting them to do. What is the scope of the project? What is your batch size? How many batches a year do you want to do? Do you want to do 10 batches a year? Do you want to do hundreds of thousands of units? What does that look like? Also, I think it's important to think about timelines. There are many times that I see clients that... 
they're not anticipating lead times on components or lead times on critical equipment. I have clients that by the time they're ready for a proposal, they want to transfer the project, let's say in the next two quarters, well, you might have a a lead time or you might require a stopper bowl, for example, that's an eight month lead time. So once you understand your process, your container closure, I think is a good time to start looking to anticipate those lead times. Typically, the items that are longer lead times in the beginning of a project are going to be things like equipment and ordering equipment that includes components, and then also any R&D work or any method transfers. So I've also seen where clients might have a stockpile of components that they can supply until the CMO can then get with the vendor and take over that procurement. So that's something that you should consider as a client um, if you have the container closure already, providing that to your CMO to help jumpstart the start of a project. Are you struggling to cut through the noise? The pharmaceutical industry can be a crowded market. Partner with CPHI Online, the largest pharma marketplace and community worldwide. Get direct access to 280,000 pharma buyers and gather qualified leads all year round to help build your pipeline and grow your revenue. With CPHI Online, you'll be able to stand out from the competition and reach a large global pharma audience. To learn more about promoting your company using only one platform, go to cphionline.com. What should a company expect in a proposal? You should know in the proposal a couple of things. One, the proposal should say what line that the, so we'll say the tech transfer is going to occur on. It should also clearly state what your components are. It should state things like what are the assumptions of the project or what is it that the CMO is not capable of performing versus what they can perform. For example, filter validation is something that does take a long time. Your CMO should be upfront whether they will help support your filter validation with a vendor or not. Extractables and leachables, that's another topic that typically falls on the client. The CMO can help provide any information needed for that work, but the CMO may not be able to provide that work. So your proposal really should highlight what is and is not in scope. Your proposal should really focus on one-time tech transfer costs, so to speak. So, you know, what different validations might cost. Some of them in the proposal might be to be determined as we learn more about the project, but you're going to want to see anticipated equipment cost, anticipated tech transfer cost, so that you can add that up easily and say, this is going to be, you know, a ballpark figure of what my tech transfer would cost. You're also going to want to know batch pricing. So what does it cost if I run a water batch, for example, or a development batch versus a process validation batch? And then finally, if it is a proposal that would go from tech transfer into commercial, you're going to want to see your commercial pricing as well. Your proposal should have timeline so that you can review the timeline based on what you asked. And if it's different, then that should be discussed further as a team. I think when the client receives the proposal, go through the proposal and look at it as a scope document in a way. And then it's key, right, to have a proposal review call with the team that wrote the proposal. So you can ask any questions and find common ground. That proposal review call really is 
allowing your CMO to walk you through what that tech transfer will all encompass at the site. So I think that a proposal should be very detailed, thorough, essentially a scope document, if you will, that then is discussed and jointly agreed upon. Fantastic. And I think from everything we've discussed so far, one clear advantage of working with the CMO is obviously the huge amount of knowledge and expertise that you can bring and you can offer a client. But what are some of the other advantages you would say for working with a CMO? I think experience you mentioned is key. Baxter Bloomington, we have several different platforms. We have several different molecules. We have experience with that. If you're a smaller organization, you might have one molecule. And we've probably seen something very, very similar and have experience with that. Maybe we have experience with the type of ID testing, for example, or that fill volume that you're requesting. So the CMO is going to have a broader sense of experience with your molecule. And I think that that's important. You know, we can help work with you on issues or hurdles that we've seen and kind of educate a client there on larger scale or or more efficient fill finish. I think that the CMO is essentially delivering a proposal and ready to start when they say that they can start working on the project. So the speed of that start versus, you know, building that capability in-house is certainly an advantage. And I think also CMOs can offer flexibility simply because we have maybe shared lines, um, flexibility around large shifts in volume. We can accommodate that if we have a heads up, uh, willing to work, you know, with the clients on various, you know, changes, maybe change controls. And as I mentioned earlier, certainly as your product grows, uh, the CMO should be capable of growing with you as a client. Great. So lots of clear benefits there. And, and let's say that. I'm a sponsor. I've submitted a great proposal. The scope is clear. How would I then maintain oversight on the progress and how the CMO's activities are working out? We here in Bloomington have a project management group that's divided between tech transfer focus, that's the side that I'm on, and then also a commercial focus. And so I think that that's important as you monitor progress. During a tech transfer, there's a lot of technical folks here at the site that will also speak with the client's technical folks. Certainly you have a project manager that's leading that effort and the client would have a counterpart as well. It's important that the client has the team members that can be counterparts to the Baxter team members so that everyone is on the same page. I think that once you get through process validation and then you are filing for approval, you know, of course, CMO could help you do that. And when you shift over into that commercial space, We always do a commercial kickoff where you're handing over to your commercial team. Ideally, we're handing off from our technical to our commercial team. And a different skill set comes in that talks about, you know, how often do we want to get together and review metrics? Is it quarterly? Is it annually? Is it biannually? You're going to want to know, like, how many deviations were there? What does the root causes look like? Let's maybe Pareto that out. Are there any improvements that we can make as a team? Those metrics, those milestones or something that as the project grows and and sustains throughout commercial are evaluated and looked at over time. And just to add to that, what level of oversight is appropriate? A more hands-off approach versus kind of increased scrutiny? What do you think? Yeah, I think that during the tech transfer, for sure, I absolutely expect a client to come on site to want to see 
development batch to want to see process validation provide oversight for that. That's a key milestone in, in any project, right? You're validating process at your CMO. And I think that's certainly appropriate. I've seen clients that have provided, you know, little oversight and that might be their culture. And I've also seen a person in the plant scenario that are there to just report back as needed. I think that the ideal maybe sweet spots in, in between the two, I think clients on site for business review meetings are important. I think when you're doing ongoing commercial, if things are going well and the metrics look good and you're having, you know, at least a weekly team meeting and you're going through the day-to-day of the project, I'm not seeing the benefit of maybe the client being on site for those activities. I do think, though, that if your CMO is not performing or if you are not happy with certain scenarios, then you as a client should expect to have maybe your counterpart. Maybe you have a monthly steering committee meeting between the two teams so that items like that can be discussed there. So I would challenge any client to consider that, whereas the working team is working on the day-to-day, there should be a level above that where directors are speaking to directors, maybe on a quarterly basis, in a steering committee meeting. And I think that that's a nice way to maintain that relationship, maybe at a different level with a different focus. Just to wrap up, I mean, we know that in pharma, the whole industry is about partnerships. That's ultimately what success comes down to. So my last question is, how important do you think cultural alignment between the sponsor company and the CMO is? I think it's very important. I think that, you know, as a client, when you visit your CMO and when you're actually looking for a partner, I think it's important once you have your proposal and you're considering maybe two or three, you know, CMOs, Go and visit those CMOs and go on the tour. See what the site looks like. You know, look around and see how are things operating. The CMO can tell you all about their site, but it's better when you come on site and see that. You can meet with the team that's going to support your tech transfer, for example. And those conversations, I think, will help both teams understand, you know, if they are a cultural fit, you know, um, partnership-wise. I think another thing for clients to consider when coming to a CMO is really the trust that you want to put in your CMO. For example, we look to the clients to help us understand their molecule. How does your molecule behave? You know, what do we need to know going into this mixing study, for example? So we will rely on the client a lot for information about their molecule, their product. But I think that that partnership goes both ways. I would like for the client to really heavily rely on us to build a process that we know can be validated and can be sufficient, if not sustainable, from a commercial realm. When we go to a tech transfer on phase three, we're not only thinking about validating that, but we're thinking about validating it in such that it's successful commercially speaking. And so sometimes I think clients need to trust their CMO um, to understand, you know, what's best for them. Because we talked about earlier, right, the expertise of a CMO. So I've done many tech transfers and seen many of them be successful with, with approval and whatnot. So here as a site, your CMO should know what it takes to get a product to market. And there's a little trust that that needs to go in that. And sometimes I see that being difficult with starting out, you know, when maybe when you're scaling up or you're leaving more of a lab setting or more of a small clinical setting and you're ready to go to tech transfer. 
So lean on your CMO a lot. That's not to say your CMO should not be transparent with you and, and have you involved in every step of the way. And you should be, absolutely. But there's just times I think that culturally speaking, I think Baxter, for example, is very transparent with clients and takes the driver's seat on tech transfers with the support of the client. But it definitely is a partnership. Thank you, Jane. I think that's a really nice point to end on, actually, the importance of trust in finding the right CMO partner. So thank you so much for all of your insights today. I think there's a lot of really tangible information here, which will help people on that journey of finding the ideal partner. So thank you for joining us and for taking part. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. And that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. For more news, features, and expert content on all things impacting pharmaceutical supply chains, manufacturing, drug development, packaging, and drug delivery, please head to cphionline.com. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the CPHI podcast series. For pharmaceutical news, webinars, events, and more, visit cphionline.com.